to come and we want you to be a part of our service next Sunday. Uh, kids create a ministry and adult create a ministry. We're going to have a great time. But today is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day. And I know that this is also April the 1st or April Fool's Day for a lot of people. Uh, and there are some people who believe that it's foolish to be a Christian or to believe in Jesus and the fact that He rose from the dead. So as long as Jesus is just a man that lived and died and we have some good stories about Him, then Ethan, this is a really sad day. It's really sad. It's bad if it's just, well, Jesus lived and now He's dead. That's sad. Because there was a lot of good people that lived and they died. But that's not the end of the story. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That there's more to the story than just the fact that He lived and He died. And so today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And just as the video that we just states watched, uh, we, we watched it, it says that uh, you know, Lee Strobel was talking about this editor of the Chicago Tribune before he became a Christian. His wife became a Christian and it drove him crazy. He couldn't stand it that she was a Christian. And so he set out to logically disprove Christianity. And somebody told him, well, you know what you need to do then? You need to prove that the, the resurrection never happened. If you can prove that, then that's all you'll need to prove. That just totally makes Christianity just like every other religion. And so he went about trying to prove that there was no resurrection. So the first thing that he figured out was there was no dispute that Jesus was dead after the crucifixion. Some people say, oh, he wasn't really dead. He was just kind of dead. He was swooning and he came back. And No, that's not true. Uh, he was actually dead. Even the Journal of American Medical Association found that Jesus was dead before being stabbed in the side with the sword or the spear while he was still hanging on the cross. He was already dead. Uh, number two, the early reports of the resurrection of Jesus came so closely after His death that they have to be taken seriously. They, they came like right after uh, He had risen from the grave. And then number three, there's the empty tomb. Even some of the stiffest opponents of Jesus admit that the tomb where Jesus' body was placed after the crucifixion was empty when they inspected it. That's why they hired people to start a story. And then number four, Nine ancient sources inside and outside of the New Testament confirm and corroborate that the disciples encountered the risen Jesus. And so Strobel calls all of these things an avalanche of what? He said an avalanche of historical data. He didn't say scriptural data because, mind you, at this time when he was studying it, he didn't really even believe in the scripture. And so, Strobel cites that seven ancient sources confirmed that the disciples, all the disciples, lived lives of deprivation and suffering uh, as a result of their testimony that they had seen Jesus after the crucifixion. This is what ticked the Jews off. This is what ticked the Romans off. Because they were trying to squash this Jesus thing. And they couldn't because there were disciples who had seen Jesus after He rose from the dead. And they're like, well, we're not going to lie and say we didn't because we did. Right. And they said, well, we're, we're commanded you not to teach and preach in this thing. We're commanded you to keep this quiet. And they said, we got to obey God rather than men. Amen. Amen. And so they were stoned, they were persecuted, they were beaten, they were thrown into jail. And they lived these kind of lives because they could endure these circumstances because they had seen a risen Jesus and they knew the truth. And so they couldn't go back. So that's what made that suffering that they went through worthwhile. 
Strobel talks about his two-year investigation, how it led him to the conclusion that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that is God in the flesh. And he backed up that outrageous claim by rising from the dead. So that leads me to where I want us to go today. Jesus is alive, and that changes everything. So I want us to go to the Scripture because we, we do believe in the Scripture. And if you don't believe in the Scripture, it's okay. Uh, I, I hope that before you, you leave this place today, you'll at least come to the, to the conclusion that it's not just Scripture, but it's also historical data and fact that Jesus is not in the tomb. Amen? He is alive. Now, what that means to you and what that means from here on out, that's up to you. Alright? But Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, if you would, let's stand just for a moment for the reading of the Word. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, in the NS, uh, NRSV it says, But God proves His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And some people say, uh, you know, I love you. Anybody ever had somebody say, I love you? Oh, I love you. I love you. And you kind of wondered if they really meant it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, I don't know if they really mean that they love me. I don't think they do. And so what did you say? Okay, prove it. (laughs) Right? And they're like, well, how do I prove it? And you're like, I don't know. Take off your shoes and socks and walk on those hot coals. And that'll, that'll be a start. Let's go with that. No, I'm just kidding. But the Scripture says that Jesus proves His love because He died for us while we were sinners. Amen. Amen. So, just kind of understand this, this concept. If, if, if all we had was that Jesus died, we understand the reason that He died was He was proving His love to us. While we were as far away from Him as we could be, He still died. Amen. And, and, and some, of, some people still don't turn to Him, but guess what? He died for them too. Matthew chapter 28, verse 11 in the NASB, uh, New American Standard Bible. Matthew 28, 11. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened. But, <clears throat> sorry, all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, this is what you're supposed to say. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story is widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. So they paid them to keep quiet. They wanted to, oh, somebody came and got him while we were sleeping. Well, I don't think so. We'll, we'll prove that before we get done. Last scripture before you're seated. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 7 in the New King James, it says, For I delivered to you first of all that which also I received. Uh, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Uh, That's the Gospel right there, folks. If you don't know that, that's the Gospel. That He died, that He was buried, that He rose again. And that He was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles. So he was seen, there was evidence, there was proof. 
And the good news is He's still alive today, and that changes everything. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Speak to our hearts in the next few moments, God. Help us to challenge our faith to believe You more, and God, to allow You to work on our behalf. And God, we give You the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Jesus is alive. Look at your neighbor tell him, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. Amen. Jesus is alive and that changes everything. So because Jesus is alive, the sting of death is gone. Right? You've heard the verse, Oh death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death. What is the sting of death when somebody dies, right? It's painful. It hurts. Now, I, I saw I was with uh, some friends of ours, my my uh, sisters, my, my my sisters, my wife's brother and sister-in-law, their pastor, who's a close friend of ours and close friend of several peoples that we knew. He passed away uh, last Saturday night, and so we were at his funeral services this past week. On Friday, we were at his service in Cincinnati, and there were a lot of people there. You know, it, it's sad. He was 60 years old. He was. Just a wonderful guy. One of the most funny guys I've ever had the privilege of being around. And he was gone. But the sting of death is gone because guess what? He may be gone now, but I know that someday we'll see him again. Amen. The sting of death is gone because there is hope. The great message of the resurrection is that when life comes to an end, it's really in actuality the very beginning of life. It's the start of something so great that we couldn't possibly wrap our minds around it. So despite every calamity and everything that goes on, though wars rage and tempers flare, and people hurt us and we're often in pain, there is hope and there is peace. It's a peace that the faith in Christ Jesus alone can give us. Amen. So death, it doesn't have a sting anymore because when we die we know it's not the end. Amen. Amen. The Scripture says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's actually a good thing if a Christian dies. Well, some of you are looking at me funny. My wife doesn't like it when I talk about dying. But you know what? Some days I'm thinking, man, that would be that would be heaven, right? That would be awesome. Amen. That would just be great. And then I realize I got a wife and three kids and a puppy. I got to make sure that, amen. I got to take care of them. So sometimes, you know, sometimes we just think that would be that would be heaven. That would be great. And if you're a Christian and you have the hope of eternity, then it is going to be great. Amen. Death is not the end. Death, where is your sting? It's not there anymore because Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. And Jesus, because He's alive, hell is defeated. That's right. So everything hell tries to do in your life. Anybody said, you know, you talk to somebody at work and they say, how's it going? You say, I'm going through. Right? That's what they say. They say they're going through hell. And you say, well, you know, it can't be that bad. And I tell somebody, I say, look, if you are going through hell, just keep going through it. Just get through it. Don't stay there. Amen. Just keep on moving. But because of Jesus and because He's alive and because of the resurrection, hell is defeated. Now, we may not be living victoriously, but but that's not the resurrection's fault. Amen? That's not Jesus' fault. We have His power. Because Jesus is alive, hell is defeated. Everything that hell tries to do in your life is defeated. Amen. Look, I'm just going to say it like I feel it right now. It was beat before it even started. Amen. I know you feel, oh, this is my reality. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what you're going through. 
He understands it. He's already been through it. And He's beaten it. Amen. Hell is defeated. Amen. Because Jesus is alive, there is hope for us to live also. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, there's hope for you. Well, there's hope for you, Reese. There is. Amen. I know your sister doesn't believe that, but there is hope for you. There is hope for you. Amen. Tyresha, there's even hope for you. Amen. There is hope for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Now look, I'm playing with these guys, but it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. There's hope for you. Amen. Come on, somebody. Look, I'm not... I know you think I'm being silly, but if you came into this place high today, there's hope for you. Well, come on, if you murdered somebody last week, I got to tell you, there's hope for you. Amen. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's happened to you, there is hope for you. There's hope for the unemployed parent that's struggling to keep her sons and daughters fed and clothed. Amen. There's hope for the lonely teenager who's bullied at school and is tempted with self-loathing. There's hope for the addict who struggles to find a way out. And there's hope for the family that's left homeless by a disastrous earthquake. There's hope for the child who has lost his parents. And there's hope for the wife who's lost her husband. There's hope for the depressed person who feels like life is completely worth it. Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. Amen. Amen. And Jesus loves you more than you could even imagine. Amen. So there's hope for you. There's hope for you. Amen. If you've got trouble believing that though, I will just tell you, you're in good company. There's a lot of people that had trouble believing that. And uh, I just want to briefly read through the end of Mark's Gospel just to prove that to you, because some of you don't believe me. So if you would, just you know, humor me a little bit. At the end of Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 16, if you'll just go there with me for a few minutes, I'm going to start at verse 9, and I want you to kind of read through this and see this story happening, right? Scripture says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week, uh, that's why we celebrate on Sunday, because typically in the Jewish uh, days, Sunday's the first day of the week. He appears first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. This woman, she was devil-possessed. I'm talking full-blown exorcist, right? There, there, she was messed up. So you say, well, you don't understand. I'm really bad off. They're up here, Brother Cooper. Right here. Yep. Amen. So they, they are really far off from God. I'm so far away. I'm so I'm I'm not just oppressed. Amen. I'm not just depressed. I am possessed. Amen. If you feel like you're so far off, you are possessed with the devil. Look, you there's hope for you because Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her. Amen. And she went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and they were weeping and they were sad because Jesus, even though he had promised. It was the third day. He said, I'm going to rise on the third day. And they promised, hey, guess what? Uh, I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to be back, guys. Don't worry about it. If they, if they crucify me, and it's the third day, and nothing had changed, and they're mourning, and they're weeping, and Mary Magdalene's like, hey, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. Amen. And so the Scripture says, when they heard that He was alive and that He had been seen by her, they shouted and they were like, Woohoo, awesome, that's great, let's go see Him. No, they did not believe. Well, that the woman just came and said, Jesus is alive. Oh yeah, but she's crazy. You don't even know. That woman is cray-cray. We cannot believe a word that she is saying. <laughs> No, they did not believe her. Can you believe this? 
So then the Scripture says in verse 12, after that He appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it to the rest. See, He appears to two of them. And when he, they go and they tell, now we got some guys, right? And so they go and they're like, hey, Jesus is alive. We saw Him. He was talking to us. And they didn't believe Him either. Oh my goodness. Now it's not just a crazy woman. Now it's the two disciples. And the two disciples say, hey, look, Jesus is alive. He talked to us and they didn't believe. So verse 14 says, later He appeared to the eleven, that's the disciples, as they, there's eleven now because Judas hanged himself. Don't, don't, don't get me off subject here because I, I want to I make mention that you know He could have repented. There was nothing that said Judas couldn't have repented. He could have made things right. I mean, was what he did a lot worse than what Peter did? I mean, Peter denied Jesus like bold face and he cussed the lady out. I mean, he did. Look, read it for yourself. That's what it said. And Peter was a fisherman. You know them fishermen, man. I'm telling you, you got to watch them. But the Scripture says that he appears to the eleven because Judas is gone. But He appears to the eleven as they sat at the table and He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Look, they should have been like, okay, yeah, let's find out if Jesus really is alive because He said He was going to be. Because they did not believe those who had seen Him after He had risen. And He said to them, go into all the world. This is the Great Commission right here. And preach the Gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. Not preachers, not prophets, not evangelists, not... These signs will follow those that believe. In My name, the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. Some of you get nervous. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now before you get nervous, we are not ever bringing snakes in here. We are not. We are snake-free Pentecostals. Amen. Look, look. Eve should have never talked to the serpent, and I will never talk to the serpent. Amen. I said, not today, Satan. Amen. Not today. No snakes in my house. Uh uh-uh. uh. Somebody say, I want a pet snake. Why? You know, why do you want a pet snake? You twisted. Something's wrong up here. We have to pray for you. I mean, I take the, I take the approach that Moses took when he saw the threw the staff down and became a serpent. He took off the other way. That's exactly what I'm going to do. No, we are not bringing snakes up in here. This means. If you if you do something dangerous or you're in danger, amen, because you've got the power of God on you and in you, amen, you are not going to be hurt. That's what it means. Doesn't mean go get some poisonous snakes and see what you can drum up. It says that you're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not just the preachers. You're supposed to do it too. Well, y'all get quiet when I start putting some responsibility on you. That's good preaching. Man, I'm telling myself, that's good preaching. Even if y'all don't want to say it, I'll say it. That's good preaching right there. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the Word through the accompanying signs. Amen. 
So when they went, so did the signs. When they went, everything that God had promised them in His power happened. They saw the sick healed. They saw the dead raised. They saw blind eyes open. They come on. That's what they saw. They saw demons cast out of people. They saw all these things because Jesus said it was going to happen. And then he's and, and then he's telling us, look, that's what I expect of you. That's the great commission Amen. for us to be a part of. The resurrection is the defining moment in history. Amen. If, if the resurrection didn't happen, then Christianity is just a big joke. It really is. If Christianity is based on something that never happened, that Jesus didn't rise, look, I celebrate the fact that He was crucified for your sins and my sins. I celebrate the fact that He was buried in the, in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and they laid Him there. Amen. And that He was wrapped up. And I, I celebrate all that. Why? Because His death and burial are powerful. But what, mo- what is most powerful, because there's all kinds of good men and good women throughout history who died and they were buried. But what we celebrate today is His resurrection. The resurrection is the defining moment of history. Amen. The world has not been the same since. Millions upon millions of lives have been changed because of the resurrection. Amen. The way that Mark finishes his gospel, it kind of encourages us. Now some people believe that Mark's gospel really should have ended with the women leaving the tomb. And, and, and you know, believing they leave, they leave in fear thinking he's gone. <clears throat> and it doesn't explain, doesn't show uh, Jesus showing back up. I'm glad it doesn't finish that way. I'm glad that God in His providence allows us to see Him visiting with the eleven and showing Himself to the two and then seeing them go out and explore with the power, amen, that He had placed upon them and commissioned them with. But if you look at this, this is the cool thing. We can take a look at our own faith today. Because it's kind of like the, we get the Great Commission just like they did. And we have this opportunity. There's this blank at the end of the story. Like you can write your own name in. Because he says, He that, he that uh, believeth, what did we just read? He that believeth and is baptized will be saved, but he that believeth not. And then he says, look, I'm, I'm telling you, these signs shall follow those who believe. So it's important for us to inspect our faith and find out what we believe. Do we believe Jesus died and was buried and rose again? If we believe that, that's going to change our life. Amen. There's something that's going to take place. So what are you trying to say? I'm saying we need to fill in the blank at the end of Mark's Gospel. Are you a believer or not? Well, Jesus is alive. That changes everything. Now you have to pick sides. Believers and non-believers. To the believers go the power. To the believers go the authority. To the believers go the love, the peace, the joy. Amen. Amen. To the non-believers, well... Let's just hope that the Bible's just made up. Let's just, let's just hope that this Jesus thing is all crazy and people are just you know, using religion for a crutch. Why? Because if it's not, you're going straight to hell. I'm just saying it like it is. I'm not trying to be mean. It's either believe or not believe. Either you believe or you don't believe. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. He said, He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not. Oh, you didn't catch that, did you? That means they're going straight to hell. That's what that means. I didn't make it up. That's not my phrase. You know, people tell you to go to hell. No, that's where the unbelievers are going. I'm not going there. I'm a believer. Come on now. Amen. Amen. I'm not going. That place was not intended for me. 
Amen. Amen. I choose to believe. Yes. I choose to place my trust in God. But guess what? If you are not in that court yet, you're not in that on that team yet, guess what? You can choose today. Amen. You can choose to believe. Now, I'm not telling you what to believe or how to how to believe. I'm just telling you, look, we got people that are, are atheists, known atheists, and they're telling you, look, I've investigated this and I've got historical data to prove it. Amen. We've got historical data to prove it. We have Scripture to prove it. And then not just that, we have our own life evidence to prove it. The resurrection radically changes the past, present, and future. And it's really when we begin to fill in the blank at the end of the Gospel and we put ourselves in that believer category that things change. Things change when we call you Jesus. Well, you're not going to call if you don't believe. Amen. Amen. When you call on Him and you believe, something happens. Amen. It changes everything. I can remember as a little kid, amen, driving down the road, almost getting in an accident. My mom said, Jesus! Why? Because we're believers. Amen. It changes everything. So the resurrection changes everything. I I want you to know because Jesus is alive, we can experience His love. We can experience His power, His forgiveness, and we can receive His Spirit. It's very simple. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, what we call the good news of the Gospel. Amen. It is very simple. Now, it's great to say, I believe in the Gospel. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. That's awesome. It's even greater when you participate in it. Through death... We die out to ourself, our selfish desires and ambitions, all the things that we think we have to have and we think we need and we want. We die out to that and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want for my life. That's death. We, we're dying out. Well, I want to go do this, but I know God wouldn't want me to do that, so I'm not going to do it. That's death. Because you're killing your flesh. You're saying, oh, look, you're not the boss. You're not the boss. Uh-uh, no. What God wants in me, He's the boss in my life. That's not easy to do, but that's how we participate in the death of of Jesus. Now, how do we participate in the burial? Through water baptism. Amen? If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Why? Because that's the name of the one who died for you. Amen? Amen. Some people say, well, but I, I think I was baptized and they said Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's great, that's wonderful, but if they didn't say the name, you need them to say the name. You need to call on the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I write you a check today for a million dollars and I sign it. Signed by Father, Son, and Brother. Here you go, try to cash that. It's not cashing. And the reason it's not cashing is because there's no name on it. You need the name. Amen? That's why when you go through the book of Acts, you'll find in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, even Acts chapter 22, every time somebody's baptized, they're baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And when you are baptized in His name, you're buried in the blood. Amen? And all the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary washes your sins away. Amen? And once your sins are washed away, He wants to give you His power in, in your life. He wants to give you His his spirit in your life. Amen. I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost because when the Holy Ghost comes in, you start to do what the Scripture said. You speak in a new tongue. Amen. You speak in a language that you didn't learn at school. So that's how you participate in the death, burial, and the resurrection or the Gospel through repentance, water baptism, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. But on the day of Christ's resurrection, I want to point out something here as I close. 
that we read in John 20 and verse 12 that Mary Magdalene saw two angels in white sitting and they were sitting uh, right by where the body of Jesus had lain. There was one at the head and there was one at the feet, is what the Scripture says. Their sitting positions indicate that there was proof or there was evidence to prove that Jesus Christ was resurrected between the two of them. In that spot where there was some evidence, we find the shroud uh, that Jesus was wrapped in. We find the cloths that He was wrapped in. And then we also find the kerchief or the sodarium that, that still lie wrapped up or neatly folded. So Peter and John had seen the grave closed before Mary Magdalene. Uh, John 20 verses 4 through 8 reads it like this. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. John's, John's gospel, right? You know what John's saying? I beat Peter to the tomb. Nah, 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 nah. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there, the shroud, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths. But folded, everybody say folded. Folded. folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and he believed. John comes in, he sees the linen clothes. Well, what makes him stop short? I think he was so shaken by the fact that there's, there's grave clothes laying there in between these two angels. I believe that John was shaken by this and he probably could not believe his eyes. But by then Peter had arrived and he went on in and so John had to see what Peter was seeing and they went in and they saw the shroud. They saw these linen cloths just laying there and they saw the handkerchief, the, the, the literal handkerchief, sodarium, that was wrapped around Jesus' head but it was not with the shroud. It was lying over here by itself all neatly wrapped and folded. The grave clothes were still in a wrapped state. This is what I think John saw. And when he went into the sepulcher right after Peter, he once again saw it and then he believed. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess when I look in and I don't see Jesus and I see His grave clothes, I would have like, okay, He's not there. But John had witnessed the evidence that Jesus has, had resurrected and there was no possibility that His body would have been stolen by friends or even by foes. And here's why we know this. Had Jesus' body been stolen, the thieves would not have taken the time, uh, they, they would not have had the time to unwrap His whole body and then lay the shroud back just like there had been a body in it. They wouldn't have taken the time, they would have just taken Him. Right? Right? So there would have been no clothes there. And then also no, no cloths there. And then we also we see the evidence intact that there was not just the unwrapped grave clothes, but there was the, the handkerchief that had been around His head neatly folded. Amen. So what is this saying? Jesus Christ rose up from His sleeping position right through the wrappings. And He passed through the wall of the sepulcher in His resurrected glorified body. Unlike Lazarus, who needed to be loose from his wrappings after he raised him from the dead, Jesus just sat up and said, I don't need this anymore. And he folded it and he sat it down and he walked right through. Come on, somebody. He walked right through the wall. Amen. Amen. So, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying that today in this place, some of you might have trouble because you've been through so much. 
And you got so much going on in your life and you just don't know if you can believe, amen, that Jesus Christ is truly alive or that He truly loves you or that He truly is going to work in your life. This is what I want us to do before you leave this place today. These handkerchiefs that are here, they're neatly folded, just like the one, amen, that was around Jesus' head. And I know it's not the same one, and we're not trying to say that it is, and we got it from Jerusalem or anything like that. All we're trying to say is if you want proof that Jesus is alive, come today and receive one of these handkerchiefs. Be prayed for today. Amen. Whatever miracle that you need from God, I wonder if you just say, hey, look, I, I believe that God can do it. I believe that He can. I'm going to open the door of my faith to believe in God and to trust in Him. Would you stand with me? Amen. Come see the place where the Lord used to lay. Come take the folded handkerchief as your evidence that Jesus is alive. These handkerchiefs that have been prayed for, we believe God's going to prove Himself to you. We believe that God's going to do the supernatural in your circumstance. And, and if you really want more of Jesus in your life, and you'll just invite the King of Glory to come in. You say, Lord, I just, I just want, to, I, I want to give you a chance to show yourself here. I don't know how you're going to do it. This is a pretty big miracle. But God, if anybody can do it, you can do it. I wonder if you just come to this, this altar today. Receive one of these handkerchiefs. Stay right. You can stay right here. You can take it back into the, one of the aisles. And I want you just to just open your heart up and open your life up to God and say, God, I trust you today. I know that you are able, God. I want to give you an opportunity to, to show yourself mighty in my life. This altar's open. I want to challenge you. Come. Amen. Come see the place where the Lord used to lay. Come receive a handkerchief today. Amen. Pray today. Say, God, I open up to you. I want to take your side on this, God. I want to participate in the death, the burial, the resurrection. And I want, because you're alive, I want you to prove that that changes everything in my life for my circumstance today. Come on. Don't wait. Don't be shy. Step out of your seat. Come down to this altar. Take a handkerchief. Amen. And you can stay right here and pray if you want, or you can go back to your seat, whatever you're more comfortable with. If you need a miracle, I wonder if you just grab one of these handkerchiefs and turn to somebody that's close to you and ask them, say, would you pray with me right now? This is what I need God to do in my life. Amen. This is what I need God to do in my life right now. Hallelujah, God. You want to prove yourself mighty. You want to show yourself mighty in every situation, God. Thank Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is still working miracles. He's still doing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and that changes everything in my life. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Just want to be.